Okay, well, um, bing bong. We've just entered the IRL Zoom. Bing bong. Um, Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. Say testing. All right. Well, it seems to be working. Um, these were some small episodes, really insubstantial episodes. Mm, I wrote. I wrote nothing down. Well, you could have written something. But I, I, I wrote two lines. So what you're just admitting on air that you haven't done your job. No. This, your chosen <laughs> occupation. <laughs> Your vocational calling. We watched the second half of episode twenty-seven and the first and episode twenty-eight. Is that right? No, I think we watched. Oh, didn't we watch more than that? <laughs> I don't think so. We just watched okay. an MP and a half. Okay, cool. I All think, right. I think. So yeah, it was definitely twenty-seven and twenty-eight. Mm. Uh, if you're following along in the Channel Nine app, mm-hmm. if you've torrented these, I can't help you. Mm-hmm. You're on your own. You're on your own. Well, not entirely. Like, if you texted us, we'd probably help. Yeah. Because we care about it. We're definitely there for you. Yeah. We care about your experience watching the show. um, And we want you to play along at home because it, um, you know, because then you already know what's happening and we can just be like, you know, what happened in episode 27. Yeah. If you're playing along on Channel 9 and if you're not, we can't help you. Either way, if you feel like you have a meaningful and succinct definition of what a soulmate is i'd like to hear it that came up this episode mm. is that going to be one of our bugbears now i wonder should we work on that What did you want to know specifically? About soulmate? Yeah. Well, um, I, I was prompted by the interaction between Cara and Nathan mm. when she was like, they were having a cute couple conversation mm. and she said, are we soulmate? Do you think we're soulmates? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 100% we are. Mm-hmm. What's a soulmate? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, What? It was good grafting by Nathan. He was he's like, Yeah, I'll sign up for whatever you want me to. And then he realized he, he like, might what? have signed up to a bit too much. Um but then Soul, she was like, that's a heavy word. Well she was like, you know, two people who are meant to be together. Um two people ju- that just understand each other and are meant to be together. And he was like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We are hundred percent. And she was over the moon. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean that's a there's two th- I think we can start talking about what's what she might have meant by um, soulmate, but also there's a f- another funny little ex- uh, love exchange going on between them where she's asked, are you my soulmate? He doesn't know what that is, mm. but says yes. Mm. And she's overjoyed. Mm. She's overjoyed, why? 
<laughs> like, well, she said, you know, it's the the person that, you know, I, I think she was like, you're just so connected. You understand each other. Mm. And I think maybe she used the phrase, the one, you know, it's your, it's the one that you're meant to be with. So right. I think that they're interchangeable, perhaps. So you think it's parlance. just to do with the content of the soulmate question that she's overjoyed? Because I also... I also think it's got to do with the fact that he said yes unflinchingly to whatever she wanted. Ah, you feel like what overjoyed her was his acquiescence, his enthusiastic acquiescence. Yeah, just like, first was just, I'm here for it. I don't know what that is, but yes. I don't know what it is, but I'm on board. Yeah, and like, because... Whatever you want. Because anyway, even if he had had, uh, a solid idea of what it was, it wouldn't be be the same as hers. And, you know, we're, we're like... We're all alienated in language that way. So they. Yes. There's got to yes. be some. Sh- you've got to be able to derive some joy from speech that isn't truly, you know, being understood, let's say, because you're not going to be understood. So. You have to derive some um, fulfillment uh, from whatever it is you've constructed in your mind the other person has heard. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And so um, you've got to be doing that from the the fact of their speech rather than the content of their speech, mostly. Mm, mm. I guess, you know, content comes into it as fact, um, but the content itself, like as if you could read it in a book, is not what's the issue. Mm. Um, it's the quality of the, the speaking or yeah. the, the, the act of speaking. Yeah, that I spoke from my, posi- from my mm. particular position at my particular moment, mm. you know. Like, that's what we call the subject of the enunciation, as opposed to the subject of the statement. Uh-huh. And we as subjects are divided between those two things, between what we say and the fact of our saying it at a particular moment, you know, which is why... And that's one sort of minimal way of... What does that mean for the subject, the difference between those two? Uh, that we're divided, that the unconscious exists. That's like a minimal way of proving the the existence of the unconscious because if it wasn't that there was both a subject of the statement and the subject of an enunciation at play, then you couldn't say, ah, yes, you said yes, but you meant no. Uh-huh. It's, right. the, it's the division between what you say and what you mean or whatever. And how wh- everything is always two things. Well, at least. Mm. But yes. But yeah. So uh, it's... The fact that you can read between the lines. The mm. between the lines is the enunciation. Mm. All right. So you paid me a compliment, mm. but you paid me a compliment in a situation where we were already in an argument and you said it with a tone, therefore I know you were sarcastic. Right. And so the enunciation is sarcastic and it came at this particular moment when it was actually going to do harm yeah. or whatever, even though the content of the statement was ostensibly yep. complimentary. Yep. It's a, it's 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 that simple. Yes. Yeah. Well, if so, if you were to try and put that very simply, it would it would be about context. Sure. The yeah m- multiple elements that make up the context around the uttered words. Yes, but yes, but you've got to be careful not to exclude the uttered words themselves yes, from for the sure. context. No, right? They're not irrelevant. No, that's right. But they mm. have their own context internally, so it's yes. like. There's no like separating the statement from the enunciation because the content has a bearing on the enunciation as well. Yes. But um, the content is still also separate from the enunciation. Your hair looks great today. Thank you. I had it. I had it cut not more than four hours ago. I just this was an example of a compliment that felt genuine to me. But there's. I received it as genuine. You good. better not take it. Yeah. Out. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> and my okay. hairdresser ran argan oil through my hair and said that I'm usually I've I've clearly got too dry hair. That they said you've clearly got too dry hair. Yeah, your hair's too dry. Yeah. 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 I think we both suffer from that problem as yeah. curly haired mops. Curly Jews. Yeah. Dry, so dry. The humor and the hair. Mm-mm-mm. So Yes, I, I see what you're saying there in, in regards to Kara's resp- joyed response. Yeah, she doesn't care. It could have. Do you think I'm a cheese b- burger? Yeah, and he's like, yes, <laughs> yes honey, yes, babes, 100%. you are the cheesiest burger. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, wait, what's it? What's a cheeseburger? <laughs> oh, I thought they just came in a Happy Meal. Yeah, and she's like, no, it's the thing, and he's like, well, yes, then. I yes. call them Happy Meal burgers. Yeah. Okay. So that 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 bit aside about how the interaction doesn't have to do with the content of what a soulmate is or isn't, let's now talk about what a soulmate is or isn't. Yes, and and do you think it's um, somewhat equivalent to the term the one? Uh, well, the predestination is part of it. So yes, I think it, I don't think it's equivalent to that though, because can't you have many soulmates? Can you? Is that how people typically use it? I like how we're doing like this, like just. Perfectly speculative etymology based on things we remember. <laughs> yeah, soulmate, isn't that? I mean, definitely it's got to do with um, something uh, that's Don't prophesied. people say they're my soulmate, not they're a soulmate? I think no. it does imply a one. Babe, are you one of my soulmates? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Where does it come from? Exactly. Sh- should I? Check check where the phrase comes from. That'd be cool. All right. Um. But I mean, the idea. What else is what else is in it other than um, predestination? Because why why does it have to? Why do we need to talk about a soulmate rather than the one? Yes. So the yeah okay. So the the term soulmate it sort of does imply. Does it imply something different to the one? It implies there being a connection that is uh, more profound and meaningful than Mm. another type Mm -hmm. of intimate connection. Mm -hmm. Right. It carries with it uh, this uh, the the weight of it being the um, the most significant type of connection. Because it tra- it must transcend the body, surely. Correct. So because it's, it's got to do with the soul m- more so than bedmates, bedfellows, fuck buddies, fuck buddies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, more so than partner. I n- I can see here that you've pulled up the Wikipedia, but to me, intuitively, I wonder if it it came about. You know, it has something to do with the advent of the idea of romantic love. Well, I want to see like where how old it is, but this isn't weird. I can see some of those subheadings. New Age Tarot Theosophy. Theosophy. I don't know. Like I, it doesn't. There's no history here, but I would be pretty suspicious if um. If it had existed for a long time, I don't think it would have. That's what I, I think. It. Yeah. I think it's probably it's partnered be with very the advent new. of romantic love. No, even newer than that. Or uh, so I think. Um, sorry, in the marital realm. Even newer. Than, I feel like it's probably twentieth century. Oh. 
I, I, I don't know. It seems very capo to me. That's right. Like, because it's one of those things where because precisely there is no the one and never has been the one mm. and everybody knows that at least unconsciously, you know, people have been in love multiple times. Mm. On their way to finding the one. Yes, exactly. On their way to finding a one that yeah. doesn't exist so that you're always on the way. Yeah. Which is a very capo thing. Yes. You're always consuming one thing after another in order to find the one. Yes, and impossible. Or fetishize one thing after another. Yes. But the fetish is never equal to yes. um, any of the fantasies that preceded the attainment of the object. And so you keep looking for the new object. And that's why the soulmate would exist as a figure, precisely because there is no such thing as a soulmate. Therefore, blah, 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 you keep looking. Mm. You know, and so then I, I imagine it came up like late nineteenth century, first twentieth century. This is so just a perf- my own perfect little fantasy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it comes up late nineteenth century, early twentieth century as a phrase, the soulmate. Um, not in any conspiratorial sense, but just because it mirrors the advance of capitalism. And then that's why you know, when like by the time you and I are growing up, and we're already like sick of Disney, and we're reaching like this sort of ironic phase of. Uh, and there are children in playgrounds saying, do you believe in the concept of a soulmate? And then we've all grown up stating explicitly that it's a ridiculous concept, but mm-hmm. at the same time still dedicated to it, which is how the ironic turn in capitalism has worked anyway. And that's why I think it comes up really, really recently. Okay, well, I've, I've no way of <laughs> knowing whether that's true. We're going to need somebody to write in. Mm. D- etymologists, linguists... Hit us the fuck up on this one. The the uh, the creation the the development of the idea that marriage was sudden you know, um, I mean I believe it probably had something to do with capitalism that the idea of romantic love became attached to marriage when before it wasn't. Wasn't was it not really? I don't think it was. I think there were ideas that are adjacent to love like commitment and um, yeah. fidelity and all of those things. No, but was marriage not always in some relation to love? I'm not saying that like women weren't sold and that marriages I weren't arranged. Think I, I think That's I, of course the I case. I believe but that, I not thought al- that not always. The dialectic of love was always in play there. I don't believe so. Right. Not, not in relation to the institution of marriage. I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm not a historian of the marriage relationship. I really don't. I really don't actually know. No, I think because. Um, but I don't believe that for love is a is a modern thing. Uh, marrying someone you know. Yes, no is a love. Modern thing. Lo- yes, l- no. That's not. What I, 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 I'm not disagreeing with that. Marrying for love might be a very recent development. Although I'm actually not 100% sure that that's the case. Mm. Because it might, you know. I think love marriages... I think love marriages have always existed. But I I think that they were the the anomaly. Mm -hmm. Like up until when? I was reading something recently that... Up until when? Like, you know, I don't know that... I feel like this is... I mean, uh, like I say, I know that they're like that the majority of marriages were arranged at some point or another. I know that, you know, nobles used their daughters for diplomacy. I know all of this stuff. Yes. Yeah. I just still think that, like, 
love was at play in the marital relation. Sure, Either it was not there or it was there or, or, yeah, or yeah. whatever. But there was always love. Yeah. A, a secretly loved part the poor of it. boy. Yeah. And also there was like, Papa, don't marry me off to him. I don't like him. I, Please I marry me off Trevor. to the other one. Yes. And then Papa was more or less compliant with that. And all that sort of thing. I think love was always in the mix. Always. Yes. Mm. Yes. I Of course it didn't not exist. Yeah. Um, but also in the mix. Mm. In the decision-making process because, mm. like, families don't run just, like, as some sure. perfectly, like, ordered and, like, command unit, yeah. you know. People's desires, even the children's desires, even if pe- children were married off at a very young age or whatever, even their desires still come to mm. have an effect on their parents and, mm. you know. That's why all know. marketing I is towards kids. I, I blame Shakespeare. I, I think maybe we get some idea of the one or the soulmate from Shakespeare. Yeah, like double suicide or it wasn't love. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's mm. true. And now we're back to Sophie. Right, star-crossed. Well, just the maybe, maybe, I mean, I think maybe the star-crossed element is just the necessary element to serve the double suicide or it wasn't love imperative. Like, you can find all sorts of ways to be star-crossed as long as you end up killing yourself for love. What? That, that the main imperative in like, soulmate or the one type love is mm. that it ends in mutual death mm. a perfect consumption one of the other oh, it's necessarily tragedy yeah like a conflagration yeah and so then the star cross thing is just one of the happenstances that lets that happen I don't know that Sophie's dedicated to it being star cross so much as she is dedicated to being it, to it being deadly I don't agree with that I think right. you're tra- you're projecting a whole lot onto Sophie there well, I'm trying to sort of interpret. Do you think that what she Shakespeare, a- what you were saying, Shakespeare's contribution to the development of love yeah. might be? Yeah. Not that I necessarily agree that that's what happened. I mean, no. I'm sure he was just writing a current, but but um, do you think that the more important part of Romeo and Juliet is that they're star-crossed or that they die in the end? I guess the thing is that if love is intense enough it can make even the most happy circumstances star-crossed because there's no human what beings do you, what do you what is the definition of star-crossed that you're using that they're from different families at odds with each other right that the montagues and capulets were at war so <coughs> or had a vendetta yeah so they they weren't to be yeah that isn't that what it is? Yeah. Am I missing something? No, no, that's what I think as well. Oh, I don't okay. know, you're using the term a lot, so I just wanted to clarify yeah. that they were... That there's some, like, symbolic cultural reason why they're not at a suitable match. Mm-mm-mm. But I'm saying even if two people are for all external reasons, uh, ostensibly a suitable match, if they become, like, internal, like, inward enough and, like so intensely invested one in the other that they can't permit of like any other outside influences or, um, you know, like run their daily lives, mm. then uh, love can turn any circumstance into one of unsuitability because people don't, you know, you can't run as just two people in life. What? I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> what do you mean you can't run just as two people? Like two p- two people is an insufficient unit for a community. Oh, okay, right. Well, 
going back to your question about the star-crossed or the joint suicide, mm. uh, I think that they're them not... Uh, th- their their community's condemnation of their love, the imp- the the social. Who are we talking about now? S- Romeo and Juliet. The actual Romeo. And yes. Juliet. Well, there's nothing star-crossed about Tom and Sophie. Wow. At all. No, there's not. No. Yeah. There's not. No. Uh, uh, Sophie and the partner that she was with when she killed herself, we don't know. Another younger man. Yeah. But um, we know that her mother supported that relationship and thought it was good for her. And that's probably enough mm. to say that they weren't star-crossed. We only know that post hoc as well. Yeah, true. So Anyone a, will say that's a statement a she said after yeah. she died, yeah. But sure. Yeah. I know it's over, I don't know where else I can go alone. Oh, mother, I can feel the soil falling over my head. See the sea wants to take me, the knife wants to slit me. But I think that the star-crossed nature has the capacity to do to to build um, what might feel like a much stronger love than a regular love. Mm-hmm. Because, um, because it's the against all odds narrative. Mm. Or do you think because it's the deadly part? No, I think. <coughs> Because why does it, why is it attractive for something to be against all odds? Um, because then, it um, you you can imagine that it is, you know, you can sort of quash any neurosis or self doubt or confusion by saying by b- imagining that um, that it was meant to be, that it's worth fighting for. So so there there becomes a right. Um, the meant to be only emerges in relation to the not supposed to be. Yes. Okay. Or um, it fortifies those feelings. Um, it's a defiance, I think. There's a natural defiance in human right. beings. So meant to be is a defiance. If it's, if it's, um, it certainly, it's so it certainly injects some certainty. 
doesn't it? And and that would really reduce anxiety on a certain level. Mm. By it, by imagine by being able to position something or construct it in your mind as meant to be, mm-hmm. there is a free there's a freeing yeah. element to that. And this thing that you say is constructed in the mind, like a meant to be or whatever yeah. it is, that has to be constructed in order <coughs> to justify the going against conventional yes, or whatever it yes. is. And so the stronger the convention that um, goes against the love, the stronger this internal construction has to be about like oh, it was meant to be yes. or whatever. Is that now what 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 the thing is that makes some people just walk away when when there's a condemnation of of love or mm. or there's a non-match or an impossibility or a star-crossedness? Yeah. I don't know what that thing is that makes what that that makes defiance kick in for some and strengthen the love feeling. Yeah. And the meant to be feeling and and why that doesn't kick well, in. Well, it's sometimes. definitely the case that walking away in that circumstance can sometimes look like weakness and sometimes yes. look like strength. Yes. So Yes, who are you doing it for? Right. Is the question. Yeah. I imagine many people walk away from the and it, they do all the time walk away from those situations and they believe they're doing something honourable mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, for their family or their communities. Mm-hmm. And that's where the honour lies. Mm-hmm. It's Is there anybody in the house right now that... Um, is star-crossed? Yeah. No, because they're all the same genus of person, are they? <laughs> they literally are. But you're only looking They're at identity from like categories. Five kilometers away from living, you know. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, but what about like Terry and Emma? Because Marlon had left. Absolutely, Emma being painted egg Tom's ex. Yeah. Marlon, T- Terry being a complete snake on television. Yeah. In in the so in, in case leaving. people haven't been playing along, Terry and Marlon were a, were a couple for most of the first two thirds of the show. And then Marlon got voted off for being the shittest girl in the house or something, which was straight up racism. And then Terry said he'd leave. Then he didn't leave uh, with her. Mm. And then in the end, he reneged after she'd already left. Um, and mm. he stayed to crack on with another girl, Emma. There's no doubt that the taboo strengthens desire. Because they were very quickly in bed with each yep. other. Yeah. And there's certainly, I think, an element to sticking it out. It relates to a sunk cost fallacy, you know, in in a way, doesn't oh, tell it? Tell us about that. Well, just in the sense that it's like, well, we fucked off so many people <laughs> by doing this. Right. We better make this look like it's working. Right. And we better tell ourselves that it's working. And in a way, I've I've sort of imagined that Romeo and Juliet, their their joint suicide, um, was perhaps possibly. A reaction to the idea of one living because he kills himself after, right? Is that right? He's the second to go? No. She's no. feigning death, then he kills himself, then she kills then herself. Then she kills herself, that's right. But there's something about it like, oh, if you're dead, <laughs> I've I've really fucked up my life. Like <laughs> Yeah. It, it it might diminish their desire to live that they didn't get to make that. They didn't make that work, right? So yeah, because you know you could, you could say, "Oh, she killed himself because 
he was the one, therefore there is no other one to remain on earth for. Yeah. So might as well go. That's right. That's the romantic. In a world absent of love. Yes, that's the romantic and The other one is just like, oh, I did such a big whoopsie that I should die too. Uh, or Yeah. And, and now there aren't any ones for me because my family hates me. Because I'm no longer one. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did a big whoopsie. <laughs> Better go now. <laughs> Quick, relate it to the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Love Island. Um, relate it to one of your half-line notes, one of oh, your two okay. half-line notes. Well, I wonder tentatively, uh, at a stretch, um, <laughs> I my, the, the only note that I wrote was, does fighting for someone ever work? And if it does, oh, yeah, we talked how about and why? This. My... my my opinion because was that yes, it sometimes. I think works. this does relate. Yeah. Okay. Because the fighting for yeah is meant to communicate to the receiver of the fighting, mm. the the beloved. Yeah. That I I I I, I simply cannot live without you. Mm-hmm. I need you. Oh uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And well, I guess it might communicate either needing or wanting. I suppose they're different things. And then also the beloved may want them to be want, wanting them or want them to be needing them. To- well, Those are differentials. Like, totally. Because there's some, you, it, for instance, if, um, someone fighting for their beloved who appears to merely need them mm. rather than want them, that might not work for them. Yes. But that it might work in some other circumstance. I think it's highly differential here like because people have their I own unique ways I of wanting yes. to be wanted. And I think stuff that's like a good that. point though, the difference between needing and wanting. Yeah. There is something decidedly less sexy about being needed. Well, I think you might be saying that about you, but there are some people who would prefer to be needed than wanted. Yes. That's what I'm saying. And even then, there's all different ways of wanting and yeah. needing and mm. people, you know, have their little fine-grained kinks. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It's not at all attractive to me to partner with a fixer-upper project, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I think might relate a little bit to that needing. Yes. This person needs yeah. me in order to live. They're not going to make it without They're not going to make it. Yeah. Whereas I think other people really need that as a condition for their yes. for their romance. Do you think that's because there's some disconnect in them of like in in their experience of desire? And what sort of dislike? Well, they can't. There's some difficulty in accepting themselves as an object of desire mm-hmm. for whatever reason mm-hmm. or in whatever way that that then they take up that position of being needed to fill that mm. or to play that part. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that I can make a system out of it. Mm. I think that's one of the ones, one of those ones where you talk to people and then all the wackiest things come out as their sort of particular little mode of loving. Mm, Totally. Yeah. And when I think about it, it doesn't feel so gendered. I feel like I've, I've had every type of person, I've heard every type of person say like, they need me. Yeah. And that's what's keeping them around. Yeah. Yeah. I can see why being needed feels a bit more secure. Mm-hmm. Because a need is, is less likely to dwindle or to be um, retracted. Yeah. 
There are those ones. It's less, it's it's more sturdy. It's like with Tom and Sophie, where you're like, oh, he's never going to stop. Yes. So so we are related. So so the reason I asked this question of does fighting for someone ever work because Tom had made a decision to graft harder than he has ever has before his words mm-hmm. um, and try to win Sophie back. Yeah. And he, there was a little bit of a monologue when they were alone together where he stated that he felt he will never love again. Mm-hmm. Essentially, this is what he was saying, wasn't it? Yeah. I'll never love again and I need to fight with all of my life for this because mm-hmm. it's all I've got and it's all I feel like I will ever have. Yeah. And she was literally shrugging. While I think was she was like looking just she to was the looking left elsewhere, of his head. Yeah. <laughs> and she pool. goes, she goes, <laughs> and then he stopped with like a very pregnant pause and she goes, hmm, yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now he is trying really hard and he was saying to the boys, I've never fought this fucking hard for someone. It's really testing my limits. Mm-hmm. And then Nathan was like, you just got to, you got to. And he was like, yeah, yeah, got to. Yeah. So he's like bringing her, he's like curbing his bad moods. He's bringing her breakfast in bed. He's not being pushy. He's trying to be chill with it all. And to an extent, it's working. She's. Yeah, she's coming around. Yeah, she's like, oh, Tom's being so great. But I wonder, is that what fighting is? Just trying to imagine that you don't have any of the flaws suddenly that you know <laughs> were the reason that they didn't want you? Because that's what he's trying to do. He's like, I'm trying yeah, to well, fix that part of my personality. I, I think it could have gone either way. That's the thing. Like in this circumstance, she seems to be responding to it. But she could have also been like, why would I be interested in a man who's hiding all of his normal mm. characteristics? But then, mm. you know, what is and isn't judged to be a normal characteristic or your true self is also something that's just like massively contextually merges over time. Totally. And I do believe that Tom Painted Egg could learn how to be a less snarky person. Mm. He he could develop into a much kinder person, a calmer person. Yeah. It's all possible. Yeah. People do teach you how to live. Mm. Well, I'm talking about even more sort of in the moment than that, like, Take Tom Painted Egg out of that situation, put him in another one, mm-hmm. and then what his true characteristics and his sort of fake characteristics might be would look different yes. to what is true. You know what I mean? Because there's no actual essential person. Yeah. 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 I think that's right. The authenticity is just like one other aesthetic category yeah. that arises in a certain circumstance. Yeah. yeah. I suppose the <coughs> I. Because, of course, fighting for someone works when there's often a dynamic where the person wants to be wanted and this is a game. It's a foreplay. And often that's the way that it's – that person is – that person already wants to reunify with that person. They're just wanting to see a performance of fighting. Oh, yes. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (coughs) And I think a lot of of relationships just sort of survive on that – Bouncing dynamic. Sort of a sadomasochism. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, like Katie and Scott. And Scott, making each other work for it all yes. the time. Have Absolutely. you proven yourself? Have you proven yourself? There were, there was, there were very few, if any, if any moments at all, where one of them was genuinely going to walk, it seemed. Yeah. Although, you know, some maybe. Well, because their performances were so... Like, they were so committed to their performances, I think there probably was always that risk. Because like, eventually you, pom- Someone has you to, perform yeah. yourself all the way into yeah. a corner. 
But like Tom and Sophie, it seems to have happened differently. Like, again, it could just be a more protracted and more like expertly acted performance. Yes. But and it seems like Sophie was truly done. The show. Well, this is the thing. So, does and it work when someone's desire is, is not there such that they've decided to end a relationship? Mm-hmm. If someone is like, no, this person is not for me, they believe that that's what they feel. And then someone fights for them. Mm-hmm. Can that turn that around? Evidently. Mm. I think there's enough evidence for that one. And like Tom and Sophie is the proof of that one. I just don't think she wanted him anymore. She was talking. She was happy. She was talking about other people and stuff. And then all of a sudden we get this piece to camera where she's like, you know what? He's been grafting so hard. I'm actually kind of interested in, in him again. And she uh, seemed surprised. What's baffling to me, and yeah. I don't know if this is because I'm pr- too proud or something. I don't know, but the f- I I would never feel comfortable be- being the fighter. I would I would never rest again. <laughs> right. Knowing that that person had gone off it, and then I'd be I'd I'd been able to twist their arm into coming back. Hmm. Right. Even though. What might have brought them back was them that. seeing that you were willing, you had the conviction of your own desires. Yes, possibly. And, and, and that, is, that is what makes someone come back yeah. upon, upon being fought for. Yes, I mean, and that's the thing with Tom. He did look pathetic to begin with, mm-hmm. but then he kept going. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks even more, no. And he was willing to look pathetic because he's I just want you so much. And, and then that, yeah. that weakness becomes strength eventually. Yes, yes. Or at least in this circumstance, it did. Not in all circumstances, yes. but you know what I mean? Yes, the opposite of wishy-washy. Hmm. He became the opposite of wishy-washy. Hmm. Because that was also what was what kept happening in their relationship was that she didn't show him enough desire. He mm-hmm. got pissy about it and resentful. And now instead of being pissy about her not wanting him, he's just like, okay, I know she doesn't want me, mm-hmm. but I still want her mm-hmm. and I'm going to keep going. Mm-hmm. I think that probably is attractive to a lot of people. I totally think so. Yeah. But then... Do you have to make peace with the idea that your partner is with you mm. um, because they liked how much you like them? But that's you still. No, that's just a question. But yes, but you're just saying because they like you. No, but do, do you, you... Them then liking how much you like them at some point doesn't have any distinction from just being just they like you you're the kind of person who would fight for them and i want the kind of person who'd fight for me yes etc you, you weren't you weren't initially the person that i wanted but then you became a person who proved to me that you would fight yeah and i would say especially since they've only known each other for 3 weeks mm. that you know that's sort of in the realm where they she's yeah, still just learning about do. him that'll do yeah. you seem pretty serious yeah like after a year of knowing each other, she probably would have seen that quality in him at, in some other circumstance, let's say. That he would fight? Mm, for mm. something, for some desire of mm. his. Because they just had that sort of three weeks of like feeling each other out in a similar way to Scott and Katie. Um, he was always making her prove herself. Mm. She didn't need him to prove himself because for whatever reason she was more comfortable in his wanting her 
Oh, you think Scott was Scott needed to see Katie? No, I'm it. talking about Tom and Sophie. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm comparing right, Tom right. and Sophie to Scott and Katie. Right. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So go on. I've done. <laughs> <laughs> that was my comparison. <laughs> Do you want me to say it again? Yes, say it again. <laughs> Scott and Katie were more symmetrical in their forcing each other to prove each yes, themselves. Yes. Whereas um, Tom was in a relationship like that, but Sophie wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. And Sophie wasn't for whatever reason. That's going to be speculation. But it's like, well, maybe she just didn't want him that much. Mm. Um, I think that's probably the case. So she wasn't going to be playing this sadomasochistic game because he wasn't even he wasn't even like suitable enough to cause her the pain or whatever. Well, she she made demands of him. Mm-hmm. She did, mm-hmm. and he was unable to meet them. What were the demands she made? Stop, like, get off my back. Yeah. Stop being so unpleasant. Mm. I think that has a different status to the stop, demands he was making. Stop being less clingy. Stop. And do, what do you think his demands of her were? Love me. Love me more. Yeah. Demonstrate mm. demonstrate love to me. Mm. Which was more just like an impatience. Mm. Yeah. Because it's clear that she needs to see that he... She's, like, played it cool, but needs to see that he wants her. And now that she sees that, then she can start, like, showing some affection back. Even though on the surface, she really did show a lot of love. That she, she was playing the role of a good new girlfriend. Remember? Yeah, but it was so obviously performative. Like, everybody who's watched, I ev- just, no, everybody I else in, this, in the villa knows that she, didn't, she wasn't into him. Yes, but I wonder if Tom could ever have been sated in this setup. Like in the villa? With Sophie. What do you mean? Because his insecurities are so great. Right, right, right. And, and his love for Sophie so desperate mm. that there, there was, n- I'd, I wonder if there was anything that Sophie or, or any woman in that position with him could do to make him not. Well, probably Sophie's also very aware, aware that the thing that stimulates his desire is him not being wanted. And so she's playing that role pretty dutifully as well. Mm. Like if she was really doting mm. and really wanted him, he might lose interest. Mm. Seeing as he's so desperate to be yeah. wanted, yeah. his experience of, um, of, of wanting is that it's sort of like a life and death situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So why is that? He can play both of those. He can play either side of that, of that equation. The one who doesn't want or the one who isn't wanted. Mm. But I don't know that, you know, maybe he can't do it in between. Yeah, like find a place of peace there. Like Scott and Katie found. Yes, they found a place of peace. But mm, I think it's it's, it's a little wobbly. It's mm. on wobbly ground. Mm. What else? Do, I mean, I wrote a few more notes. Oh, we've got to... We're just a, a lip check for Liana. <laughs> Still <laughs> fucked. Still fucked. <laughs> um, <laughs> Can we get a lip check over here? <laughs> um, and one thing we've never commented on, even though you and I comment on it every single time we watch the show, is that um, every single ad break, right after we come back from the break, we get a little... Um, like. Uh, clip yeah. of Carolyn Flack standing in front of the villa going, this summer, 
is survival of the fittest. <laughs> it's part of the intro. And it's and, also and part of the intro, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, but we've never actually seen Carolyn Flack in the flesh. Once, on the, once when right she the was there, she was there when Rikard was around. Remember that? All those. Oh, when Rikard um, got because he was because he fucked Olivia. He and fucked Olivia, and then but wanted um, that other woman that I can't Jane. Yes, I remember her. She's sort of like a tall Tina. Was she blonde? Yeah. Oh, she was the nurse. You thought yes. she was a real hottie. She was a hottie. So anyway, in that weird ceremony where they went home, yeah. Caroline Flack was there on the beach hosting that ceremony. Yeah. I think that's the only time she's featured. But See, Reichardt did go home with her. Yeah. Even though he didn't even care about her. But he was like, I've just put so much graft into this bird. Yeah. I'm not doing that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he, he said that um, literally. was the best dude on the show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly the hottest. Well, no, now Alex. Yeah, it's Alex now. Alex. Oh, God. Alex is a bit of a weak, mental weakling. I Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, but it's the perfect. I mean, he's a. It's the perfect cocktail. Good looking boy. No. Such a good looking yeah. boy. Um, if that's what. But anyway, your youth look like, sign me up. He does. He looks like a brown shirt for sure. Mm. But your theory about Carolyn Flack is that she's already dead yeah. anyway. Yeah. She's been dead for a long time. They just yeah. weekend at Bernie's. I'm waiting for, for the weekend episodes. at Bernie's. <laughs> I'm waiting for her like, watching strings, for the strings in a bikini flopped on a banana lounge. Yeah. Okay, here we talked about this. Oh, they've like jammed wedges onto her dead feet. Oh, and then this other, you know, one of the new guys, Troy, oh, of the two new guys, Troy, Troy and Oliver. And what Tro- time we at? I don't know. We're more than an hour. Are we? I think so, yeah. Oh, well, you know what? I want to talk about something in our next epi. Let's make a note. Okay. Well, because I'm interested, because uh, I think this new guy, Troy, yeah, what were you going to say, Sam? I fucking hate well, you guys. Because we keep saying, oh, because Troy's got the strangest manner about him. He's always nagging. I mean, I guess it's not that strange, but anyway. He's always sort of like, like there's a bit of a snarl, and he's always sort of looking through his... Like eyebrows, eye, eyebrows, but yeah. not in a flirty way. In like a really like, yeah. sinister way, where he's back. like, a, yeah, he's like a bit bored and rude. Yeah, constantly. And that's his manner. That's his like. Yeah, that's his flirt game. And we we keep saying, Ugh. oh, he's he's you know he's he's read the game or whatever. Yeah. So neither of but us, neither of us, really knew what that was, except it's pickup artistry stuff. Yeah. But apparently the game itself, now that we've wikipedia well, yeah, it, wi- is actually just it. a journalistic document about these guys. Yeah, that's right, guys. that's right. Um, um, an investigative journalist in- infiltrated the pickup artist community and wrote a book about it called The Game, Penetrating the Secret Society of Pickup Artists. I wish we had a third mic now who could watch it with us and like identify the game stuff, like techniques. Because th- that's all that shit is, is like, um, it's like little games, right? It's like you, you, you ask them a question and then... Oh, you no, have wait, like then the... Sa- I'm sorry, I completely interrupted. Oh, go ahead. Because Neil Strauss, the guy who wrote that, that sort of investigative piece in 2005 called The Game, then wrote in 2007, Rules of the Game, the Pick, us, pick Up Artist Guide. Right. And that's actually got 
you can. So here's a. So it's a recipe book for pussy. Here is a Vice article from February this year. Neil Strauss's 2007 pickup artist guide is less a dating book and more a RPG role play game, pro magician propaganda document, and catalyst of the incel community. <laughs> um, interesting. So I don't know. I think we should uh, talk should about this in another episode. Okay. Well, let's I'm do it. Very interesting. Let's let's start. Let's put a pin in it. But let's maybe get that book and like start and read it and see. Start what highlighting. <laughs> yeah. Start highlighting <laughs> while we watch. I don't know because once Troy's got a bird, we're not going to get much opportunity to watch like actual like techniques in play like that. Yeah. He but he's definitely doing a thing. Like he's, he's not. He's definitely doing. He's a thing. following a procedure of some yeah. kind. You can see because. He's so unnatural. Yeah. But the thing is, it still sort of stimulates Tina to laugh. Mm -hmm. Well, because uh, women humor men. Yeah. Is that why it's all just predicated on that? Absolutely. Just like cornering people in social situations where they sort of have to say yes to something or another. It would would be a brash relational move for her not to. Think about it. Yeah. You're one-on-one, you're on TV, you don't know this man. Yeah, to be like, why are you talking like yeah. that? Yeah, <laughs> or that's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> Walks away. Yeah. It's fa- it's rare for people to conduct themselves like that. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. All right, well, we'll get the highlighter out. Yes, rules of the game. I'm sure, I'm sure our listeners are probably well-versed much more than we are mm-hmm. novices in this regard. Well, DM us uh, your favourite yes, your favorite rule tricks. of the game. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, Sam, thanks so much. No, thank you very much for coming. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Love is natural.